Welcome to another BritFleets.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today's guest is Josh Hurtado. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. All the way in sunny, wintry Dallas. Uh, winter is a strong word, but yes, sunny definitely applies. I'm just, it's just green-eyed monster, really, because it's definitely winter here. Oh, I mean, I would, I would certainly take my weather right this minute over yours most of the time. So I'm, I'm, I'm well aware of the privilege I, I, uh, I, I enjoy. We're going to do five great Indian genre films. As I, as I posted before we started on, on the social medias, um, I've been to Turkey for remote exploitation. I've been to Ireland recently for, uh, I've done rom coms. But uh, Indian genre films is not is not something that's on my radar whatsoever. So, uh, like I say, I'm I'm prepared to be schooled here and start to learn as to what is the appeal of um, five great Indian genre movies and Indian genre movie as a thing itself within the world cinema market. But before we get into it, do you wanna do you wanna tell the listener kind of what your kind of um, experiences and position you know what you do connected with film that would let people know you know take you seriously when you start telling us what these films are about probably the the thing that would hopefully have uh the most impact is that i've been writing for uh the site screen anarchy and before that uh twitch film for the last decade uh at this point just celebrated my 10 years there uh last month um initially focusing on uh on indian cinema uh contemporary indian cinema and sort of branching out into other other genres in it as well uh, over the last decade. Um, since 2013, I have been a programming consultant with Fantastic Fest in Austin, Texas, focusing on India and South Asia and the, the cinema thereof um, because there was a need for it. There was no one really advocating for that part of the world in, in the world genre cinema uh, festival circuit. Really, I mean, one or two had 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 made it onto the circuit, but not not very many. And I felt there was a, a space for that. You know, that there it was a need that needed to be filled. And you know, I was just the one that was loud enough to 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 get it started. Um, and since then, I've done a little bit of uh, festival. Uh, I've worked as a festival agent for for one or two films uh, from India that that needed a little bit of guidance in terms of how to, how to reach that audience outside of their country. Um, and that's been most of it. I, I sort of helped with other film festivals once, once the fantastic best thing happened and I started working with them every year, then it just became uh, sort of other film festivals coming and asking for advice. Um, not that I'm officially on any of their payrolls, but it's just, you know, it's nice to, to be able to, to share What's going on? Where did your enthusiasm and passion for this particular part section of cinema come from? Where did it start for you? Is it what? It's not one of the films that you've chosen, is it? If it isn't, it is not. It is not. Although one of the films that I chose is was the impetus for getting into programming in the first place. So okay. We'll okay. But okay. so 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 what was what 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 was what got you what got you what triggered your your enthusiasm for the for the for this particular you know quite a niche part of part of cinema to a to a Western audience. Uh, you know, when I was uh, in my early twenties, and in, you know, in the in the early two thousands, and uh, I had already started branching out into finding uh, films. You know, because it was at the time there was the the large boom of you know South Korean cinema in the early two thousands. Before that, in the nineties, there was the Hong Kong boom, um, where those films were starting to make their way over here. You know, the Japanese genre cinema has really boomed since the mid nineties, uh, mid nineties into the until around 2010 when they went into their sort of gonzo horror uh, phase. And those have always had representation around the world. You know, they've, they've been taken more seriously, but India hadn't. And so just it, the idea was that I've watched films from all these different countries, but there's this one country that's sitting right in the middle of the world with, you know, the second largest population in the world that makes nearly 2000 films a year that nobody talks about. And so it just seemed like there's got to be something there worth watching. So I started to, uh, you know, a little bit at a time, dip my toes in. And then, you know, after having watched a couple of them and falling in love with the aesthetic and the, the, the way the films are structured, 
it just became an obsession. And I, I started to, to, to reach out to people, you know, what else should I find? What else should I look for? Who's doing, who's doing group work? You know, what's, what's the deal. And then, you know, once I started doing that, I just became obsessed, you know, because like I said, there's so much output that you could watch nothing but Indian films for a year and be, you know, have your schedule perfectly, you know, jam packed. Um, as it is, I watch probably 50 to 100 Indian films a year. And, you know, imagine just do the math on how much I'm leaving on the table. Um, so it's, it's something about the, how, how foreign it was at the beginning, you know, because part of what I enjoy about cinema is the ability to, to use it as a lens into cultures that are not my own, you know, to learn about cultures through their art um, is, is, is something that I find very interesting. And then once I started to understand the culture through the art, um, being able to help recontextualize that for other people so that they might be able to appreciate and see what I see in it, um, that's what kind of moved me toward the programming was that there was all this stuff that no one's talking about or seeing or even knows exists. And I felt like I could help. I totally get that idea of, 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 um, of film being a good prism to sort of view and 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 get a feel for a culture i i remember where i, I we were talking be, before we started recording about uh to the listeners benefit there um we were talking before about korea's emergence as a cinema market in the 90s and that obviously using a quota system to, to to edge out the dominance of the laissez-faire approach which had meant hollywood just basically pushed everything out of the way and and as the they did that, and then the second wave of it was the was the genre boom of Korean cinema. The people who thought they were doing propaganda with film were arguing this isn't representative of Korea. Whereas I guess you and I receiving these films from Korea were thinking, wow, they've got such a brilliant a new eye. They got the, we were seeing a different view of horror because of the nature of what they what they were thinking about. They were obviously influenced by horrors we've all seen, but they were then done with a with a Korean influence. Whereas the kind of middle classes of Korea were thinking they had to do very staid, <laughs> almost like porcelain representations of what it is to be a Korean, as opposed to a cultural representation. Yeah, and even here, you know, uh, I, I'm very fortunate in Dallas. We have a very, very diverse uh, population. Um, there are immigrants from all over the world here, and you know, it, we do have, we have at, at least since I've been here, which is uh, 20 years, that we do have cinemas that will play. Uh, films first run movies from all over the world every week. Uh, so we have theaters that play only Indian films. We have had fit theaters that played only uh, South Korean films or only mainland China films. And so I was able to go out and drive, uh, you know, just a few miles from my house and go see the latest first run South Korean films. And, you know, from there, <laughs> you know, you, you, you do get the impression, uh, the impression that perhaps it seems like every third person in Korea is a North Korean spy or, you know, what, whatever the, the, <laughs> the, the tropes have become for what we understand South Korean cinema to be, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of what we're, what I'll get into a little bit with, with, with Indian cinema as well is that the kind of films that I'm going to be talking about are not the kind of films that do get, you know, a lot of chatter in the West. Um, they're not the films that are that are typically playing at film festivals and you know ending up with big distributors. Okay, well look, that's a good segue. I'll just do a quick uh, rundown of the rules for anyone that's coming to this cold. Um, we're going to do five films selected by Josh. Um, we're doing them in reverse date order, oldest to newest, um, and we're going to use up five minutes per film. So when um, when Pig the dog. Pig the dog is a friend's dog. Um, if you are familiar with the SFX person, Dan Martin, who uh, did things like um, he worked on High Rise, um, Field in England, two I can think of off the top of my head. He worked on Possessor, the Brandon Cronin. Um <laughs> I just decided that to use a dog barking, and it was when I was interviewing him. And I said, let's call it Pig, which is your dog. So when um, when we hear... The dog bark, which, you know, truth be told, it's an iPhone bark. Um, this isn't really... I've actually asked him now to sample his dog so we can actually get the real dog bark, and I think that seems like the right thing to do. I'm taking I'm taking Pig's name in vain here, and he's not getting any... He's, he's getting the infamy, but none of the fame. <clears throat> so, yes, we're going to do... That bark will come after five minutes of talking about it. Um, and 
that's about it really. Do you, is that okay with you? Are you ready to go? Yeah, let's do it. So first on your list, ironically, given we're doing, uh, given the title being ironic, um, is a, a film called Hollywood uh, from 2003. Do you want to uh, talk us through what that what, what, what that choice is for? Okay, so first of all, I, I'm going to waste this part of my five minutes on this. This will be more than five films because it's kind of impossible to talk about these without referencing other stuff. But Hollywood is a film from uh, Karnataka in South India. In this, it's in the Kannada language or Kannada language, um, which is not a Bollywood film. Uh, this is a smaller regional film that is the story of a pair of twins who uh, are one of them falls in love with a young woman who has no interest in him whatsoever. So he builds a robot to help romance her. Uh, and she ends up falling in love with the robot instead of him. And then uh, craziness follows. Now, this uh, film from 2002-2003 uh, was written and stars a, a film actor named Upendra, who is a very famous actor in Karnataka. Um, and something of an auteur. He has uh, a number of films that he's written and directed um, and starred in. And they are all very sort of uh, against the grain, iconoclastic uh, types of films, very high concept uh, films, most often genre, thriller, things like that. Um, this is very specifically a science fiction film because it is, I mean, it's supposed to be based in the present day, but it is it is about a robot that seduces a girl. So there's that. Um, now, uh, when I say great, when you said great, like that is, that's a very broad uh, description for me because I love some of the worst stuff. Um, and this one I think is great just because it is absolutely unlike anything I've ever seen. Um, first of all, uh, the, the film opens with, with uh, one of the brothers, the nerdy robot building brother, whose name is Surendra, picking up his, uh, his brother Upendra from the airport. Now, his brother Upendra, who is him in a double role, it's, a, it's, it's both the same, same actor, um, has decided that he's going to come to Hollywood because Hollywood has refused to give India an Oscar, and he's coming here, and he's not leaving till he gets one. <laughs> and then just you know, the next day, he's on a film set directing with all these people, um, which is how Hollywood works, as far as I know. Um, but uh, the film was shot in Australia, very visibly in Australia. Uh, and so you can see the opening credits. They're driving through Los Angeles and driving through Hollywood. You see uh, Los Angeles uh, highway signs. Um, but you can also see that they are very clearly being shot out of a moving car because the, the frame of the windshields in the corner of pretty much every shot that is recognizably California. Um, and you know, when they go back to all of the stuff that is being shot, uh, in Australia, you know, all of the cars have the steering wheels on the wrong side and they, they do an entire song and dance sequence in front of the Sydney opera house. So they're very bad at hiding it. Um, the film also stars as the love interest, uh, Miss Felicity Jones, who, um, only did a few things uh, and she hasn't worked a whole lot in the last decade. But one of the things she did was the spirit brothers undead, which was a big uh, hit on the genre circuit back in the early two thousands, a zombie film uh, that she did basically at the same time as this one. Um, her name is Manisha in the film. She is a, her, she's supposed to be uh, her grandparents are supposed to be Indian. And so that sort of explains her speaking the Kannada, the Kannada language, the entire film, as opposed to speaking English, which she would obviously speak. Um, now, this film is absolutely jam-packed with, obviously, special effects, um, most of them really awful, um, really dodgy CGI, um, but very, very creative. Uh, it is very incredibly creative. Uh, one thing that does that is very interesting about this film is that about eight years later, um, there would be a a film that sort of uh, came to the public consciousness through a series of viral videos called Entran or Robot, which is a Tamil film, uh, which stars superstar Rajnikanth, um, who is one of my idols. And um, it is similarly about a man who builds a, an android with artificial intelligence who falls in love with his girlfriend 
And then the robot tries to kill the scientist so he can marry the girlfriend. Uh, the story is very, very similar. There are a lot of matching parts to it. And so it, it begs the question whether, which, you know, did this major, major hit, this film was a huge hit, did film festivals all over the world, steal from Hollywood. Finish your thoughts, And sorry. the answer is maybe. Um, apparently, they were in... Uh, they were working on them at the same time, 10 years earlier, but the big budget film couldn't get off the ground. And uh, when Upendra, the writer star of Hollywood heard about that, he just went to town. He's like, if you're not going to make it now, I'm going to make mine and you're going to look like you're copying me. And the result is this ridiculous movie full of amazing outfits and a tonky monkey. So keep that on your radar. So there you go. So now, now, you know, five minutes does fly by. Uh, it your, does. Your, doesn't your it? wife was right, and I should I should have qualified actually. When I say great, I don't mean that we're doing a film studies consensus view of what great is. It's more of interesting, and obviously that's the spirit of what you're talk how you're talking about it. And it's really <laughs> nobody. I'm not expecting anyone to tie their colours to the mast of any film, but I think to talk about films often, some of the best films to talk about are not the best films objectively speaking they're just interesting because there's something to talk about and what's great objectively anyway that's such a it's, exactly it's such a art is not thing. art is not a competitive sport absolutely and nobody ever wins is because like subjectivity in terms of the audience is is always skewed up anyway because what you love and i love can never be the same um I'm, my favorite thing i ever ever i ever come across where they were trying to figure this where somebody was trying to work this out was this guy says to bob dylan I want to be able to make songs like you. And Bob Dylan says, well, you can do, but you're going to have to have my parents read all the books that I read in the same order, uh, watch all the films I watched in the same order, meet all the same people, you know, because basically influences on our life and what we like and don't like are to do with like really weird schisms that you couldn't predict. So, huh? yes. It's the butterfly effect. Everything affects everything else. Yeah, you're not, you're not claiming these as the five best things ever to come out of India. So... It's great. Because to be honest with you, I feel like once we've done this, there'll be five more you could do in a later stage just to keep shining a light on this genre, to be honest with you. Oh, goodness. It's, yeah. I mentioned Book Book. When we first talked about doing this, I have a very long list that was very difficult to pare down. <laughs> well, look, let's uh, let's jump forward to um, 2011 for Money 2, Kachana. Is that right? Kanchana. Oh, Kanchana. Right, okay. Now... You 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 did use the full title, Mooney 2. This is a sequel. Uh, it has absolutely, I wouldn't say absolutely, very little to do with the first film. Uh, it's actually a series of four films at this point. Um, but the second one is the real gem of the series. Um, this is a film about a man named Raghava, who is kind of a, a, a charming young man who just happens to be terrified of, the ghost, of ghosts and the dark, um, which, you know... This is a genre film, so things are going to go poorly for him. Um, so he uh, he's playing cricket out in a field, uh, and some bad weather comes along, um, and he he has to leave. Uh, and so they pick up the the I don't know what cricket stakes are called, but he picks up one of the the wickets. Wickets on the ground. Hey, uh, it just so happens that this particular wicket had been stuck in, into a corpse buried under this vacant lot where they were playing their game. Oh no. Um, uh, and he brings it home, dripping with blood. What ends up happening is the woman that he had, uh, the, the late woman in whom the wicket had been stuck, had been killed as a result of uh, bias, uh, hate, a hate crime. She was a transgender woman. Um, and the ghost follows him back to his house and ends up possessing him. And so this man becomes possessed by this transgender woman and then the ghost decides to take vengeance on the people who killed her. This is wild. This is wild as a concept. It's brilliant. It is. It is. It is. Wild doesn't begin to describe it. Uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's about an hour and a half of general romantic comedy, uh, you know, uh, very, very broad slapstick uh, in the film. That is funny, but it's, you know, it's it drags a little bit. But... The, the main actor, um, again, this is another auteur film. This is Raghava wrote, uh, Lawrence, the, the, the actor who plays the main character, wrote, starred, and directed uh, and choreographed the film. 
and has done all of the sequels as well. Um, and his performance really sells it. Uh, now, one thing I think is really great about this is that it is a, a relatively early positive uh, view or positive spin on, on transgenders and their plight in India, which is, you know, in other countries, transgenders are a big part of the culture. You know, in India, they're a huge part of the culture. They're everywhere, uh, similar to places like, uh, like Thailand, where they're just, they're just there. They're just part of the community. They, they don't really need to, uh, there's not a, there's, there's discrimination against them, but it's not, uh, they're not new. Like, yeah, no, there's, there's a, in, in India, there's, there's a weird, 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 horrible word to use, but, um, there's like a there's there's prejudice, but there's also a reverence, isn't there? There's there's this weird yeah. weird duopoly yeah. of 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 sort of cultural preferences, I suppose, for another very. And so, what could be very exploitative of this transgender angle ends up being a very supportive uh, story because this transgender uh, she ends up adopting another transgender woman who's been kicked out of her house, um, and they both end up being taken care of by a Muslim uh, man with a mentally uh, disabled son, and the ghost actually that possesses the main character takes all three forms, takes form of the transgender woman who's been murdered as well as the Muslim man who saved her and also the disabled son as part of the, the, the revenge plot that happens. Now the last half hour of the film is just a ridiculous volume of super bloody violence. Um, that is just, it's very entertaining to watch. Uh, it's super aggressive and then it all wraps up nicely with a, a very happy ending. Um, but what's interesting about this film is that it's been remade in many, many languages. It sounds insane, but it made a ton of money. And so it's been remade in many languages, including a remake that's coming out in the Hindi language. Uh, this is a Tamil film. It's being remade in Hindi, and it's coming out next this month, actually, uh, with one of the biggest Bollywood stars, Akshay Kumar, playing the lead role also being directed by Lawrence, who directed and started the original film. And ironically, the film was also remade the year after it was made in 2012 by Upendra, who made Hollywood as a film called Kalpana. So that's another connection between these two films is that... When you Upendra say, when you say remade then, so is this is this like license in the film? They will just, they will... They will Correct. So in India... In India, there are in India there are so many different languages um, that, and because there are over a billion people there, that each language group is large enough to to support its own film industry. And so, what they end up doing is, if a film is a big hit in one language, they'll often license it and remake it in another language rather than subtitling or dubbing because they get a bigger audience if they just remake it with local stars. Right. And so. And so this was made in, in the Tamil, in Tamil Nadu, and then it was remade in Karnataka with Upendra. It was also made in Sinhal in, uh, in Sri Lanka. It was remade in, uh, in West Bengal, and now it's being remade in, in the north of India in Hindi. So there are multiple versions of it. There is, um, this there is, is, just no, other, there is no other country that I think operates anything like that. Is there? No, it's it's it's, and that's one of the things that drew me to it. I'm I'm, I'm going to break from the film specifically here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that drew me to uh, to India is that India is not it's not a monolith. It's not yeah, like yeah. and people people speak about Bollywood, but Bollywood is just the Hindi film industry. It's just the Hindi mainstream film industry. But there are um, uh, probably five or six main uh, large industries. Um, there's the Tamil one. There's Telugu, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, there's Kannada, which we just talked about. There's, there's Bengali. Um, those are uh, Malayalam, which uh, we'll talk about also in a second. There are, those are the big ones, but then there's Assamese. There are, uh, Urdu films. There are films in all kinds of languages being made that all have their own local industries, um, that are perfectly capable of being supported. So, so for example, so. You said the first one you said was Canada, and this this the second film we've done is a is a Tamil film, um, and they both feature sort of slapstick humor. Is is the difference between slapstick humor in those two regions like the equivalent of the difference between slapstick humor between I don't know, UK, France, Spain, and Italy? You know the fact that those would be 
what would land in Spain wouldn't land in Britain and what would land in Britain wouldn't land in France kind of thing. Do they differentiate that? For the most part. I mean, they, they bring a lot of the local flavor because of the, the way they change the performers. The new performers bring their own, you know, spins to each of the jokes or the gags or whatever. A lot of, a lot of times the gags are very similar or the same. Um, but, you know, as you typically speaking, uh, as you move into the smaller film industries, the, the smaller the film industry, the bigger the jokes. So with, with Bollywood, they've, since that's the one that's sort of broken out as the, the, the global standard for what people believe Indian film to be, they have tried over the last you know, 20 years or so since globalization has become a much more uh, pressing concern to, to make their films feel more like quote unquote real films from the West. Whereas films that are local to the smaller, uh, smaller language groups really just feel like they need to uh, cater to their own audience. And if their own audience is okay with, with these big, broad jokes, then they're, they're going to be just fine. And a lot of them don't really have any way of, of knowing um, or any, not, not any way of knowing. They don't have any interest in foreign money. Foreign meaning even outside of their own specific film industry. Um, and I've fought that a lot actually with, with, with the programming work that I've done is that they don't believe that I really think or I really care about this stuff because they think that it's, you know, they've made their money in their home industry and they've moved on to the next thing. So this old movie is nothing anymore. It's, it's put on a pile. And so that's a struggle that I've fought with. We're going to jump a couple of years now to 2013 and uh, I'm guessing it's pronounced eager. Is it? It is. Cool. I wasn't sure how, how the double E was going to work there. Um, so, uh, do you want to talk? Do you want to talk us through what what this choice represents? It's another another region. So, you want to tell us that one? This is a Telugu language film from uh, the Indian state of Andhra Pradesh, which is another South Indian state. Um, and this, when I mentioned earlier in the podcast, that this is uh, there was a film that was the impetus behind my programming. It was this. One. Um, this film came out in 2012 in cinemas um, by a filmmaker named S.S. Rajamouli, who uh, is a, a huge name in, in Telugu film um, and had been for the decade previous to this, a little more than the decade previous to this. Um, but it was the first time I had seen one of his films in theaters. I'd seen some on home video and I knew that he was very talented, uh, but this was the first one I saw in the theater. What it is, is it's a film about... Uh, Romance and reincarnation. So this is, uh, you know, a recurring theme in Indian films is, is reincarnation, uh, you know, having to do with uh, the Hindu mythology and, and, and religious beliefs. Uh, it comes up frequently. Um, and what it is, is it's a young man falls in love with a girl, um, you know, in it's a very chaste love. She hasn't, she hasn't reciprocated uh, yet, but uh, what ends up happening is that while he's trying to woo her, a developer falls in love with her, a real a nasty piece of work, falls in love with her and can't get her eye because she's toying with the idea of going with this other man whose name is Nani, who's also the, the actor's name, the actor and the character both named Nani. Um, so meanwhile, this girl, Bindu, is cornered by uh, Sudeep, who is the villain, also his actual name, name and character, same name. Um, and she rejects him and he sees that it's because of Nani, so Sadiq kills Nani. This is all happens in the first 20, 25 minutes of the movie. Um, and then what ends up happening is that Nani is reincarnated as a fly, which is what the title means. Iga is fly in Telugu. And he is reincarnated as a fly and is still in love with Bindu. It takes him a second to realize who he is and what's going on. Um, but then he falls back in love with Bindu and is determined to make her fall back in love with him as a fly. Now, it's a ridiculous story, but it is one of the most charming things uh, you will ever see. Uh, it's also incredibly creative. Uh, what ends up happening is that uh, Bindu and Iga, the fly, yeah. find ways to take revenge on Sadiq for the murder, which, you know, you're thinking, how much damage can a fly do? But it's insane what ends up happening. He ends up uh, making uh, Sadiq flip his car in one sequence. It's a, it's a really crazy, you know, just by buzzing around his face while he's driving. Um, uh, 
And he, you know, at one point, uh, Sadiq is in a sauna, like one of those personal saunas where you're just your head sticking out. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the fly, you know, gets him trapped in there and he, he almost dies in that way. You know, there's a, there's a training montage with the fly, uh, where he's, Get out you know, him. lifting, lifting weights by using, you know, the, the coil inside of a light bulb and, and all kinds of things. <laughs> Bindu, who Bindu, his, his love interest just happens to be a micro artist who does drawings on grains of rice. And so she builds him weapons. So she builds him a little claw for his little fly feet. Um, in order to to scratch and 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 injure uh, Sadiq, uh, it's it's a really crazy, insane thing to watch. And I saw this in the theater. When I saw it, it had no subtitles. It's about two two hours and twenty five minutes, zero subtitles. I missed nothing. I understood the entire thing from front to back. And I walked out of that theater, and I just had to go yell it to the world, like this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. And um, I remember reviewing it that night. Uh, for for Twitch, um, I got home at midnight, wrote the wrote the review, sent it off into the ether. The next morning, I had um, emails from uh, a film festival in Paris saying, "What is this? Where have you seen this? Can I have this?" And so I I started digging because I'd never had to do that part of it before. I just went to movies and enjoyed, but I I did a little bit of digging and I found the director and um and the film enjoyed like a two and a half year run at film festivals. It got remake rights bought in all kinds of places It ended up at the, at the, the Cannes film market in 2013. Um, it's, and then the filmmaker SS Rajamali went on to make the films, uh, Bahubali, the beginning and Bahubali, the conclusion, which are two of the, the highest grossing Indian films of all time. I actually got to visit him on the set of the second film, uh, on my honeymoon, which I mentioned to you off off air, was in 2016. Mm. Um, and uh, you know that that remains, even though it's one of my first, it remains among my crowning achievements is putting that film in front of an audience and then having it take on a life, you know, beyond just Fantastic Fest in all these other film festivals around the world. Um, and I I really do believe that it's it's one of the greatest films of the last decade and it's it's criminally underseen i mean with with you with especially you describing being able to watch it without any subtitles it it does speak to the kind of the universality and the the sort of the natural subversion that exists within genre cinema that doesn't exist within drama the sort of tropes and the cliches are are things that we enjoy as much as originality aren't they the things we 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 hold on to and we we feel comfortable with as important as what's new. One of the things that I, that I, I not necessarily learned, but one of the things that was cemented in, 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 in me about how this journey of programming was going to go based on my experience with, with EGA was what I mentioned earlier about the fact that the, the people who make these films make them specifically for their local audience, which is why there were no subtitles for my theater in Dallas, because I there are enough uh, Indian uh, immigrants here locally to support that, to support a film. And, you know, when I saw it, it was a packed house, uh, we all paid $20 a ticket because it was a special, you know, first night screening. Um, and they, they can do that every week with these films. And I, when I finally got a hold of the director after a couple of weeks of, you know, going back and trying to uh, track him down, he emailed me and he, when he emailed me, he said two things. He said, first of all, when I first read this review, I thought that you were a, a Telugu person using another name because there's no way that anyone else would have seen my film. So that was the first thing he said, because they don't expect it. And the other thing that he said to me was, can you please explain what a film festival is and why, I, why it's good for my film? Oh my goodness, really? This is, yeah, this, and this, you know, in, in 2013, this was, he, he only made it for his local audience. He thought it would be, you know, and he's made plenty of hits. Like he knows his audience backwards and forwards, but he's also a really great director. Um, and he was completely ignorant of the way that these things worked until, you know, somebody asks, it just happened to be me this time. Somebody asked him like, can we have your film? I think other people would like to see it. And so they had to make subtitles. They, they recut the film, which I'm not a fan of the recut, but it, it went a lot of, it went a long way. Um, and you know, from there on out, he, 
he he made Bahubali, which was huge. Did even more film festivals. Bahubali, for example, I was amazed when I saw this. Played at the Pyongyang Film Festival in North Korea, and so he and his producer were able to go to North Korea to show Bahubali no on the big screen. Yeah, it was you know they went on this amazing journey, and you know I like to think that I had a tiny part of 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 helping them. You know move forward into doing something new this film i mean i mean i don't you know i don't i don't want to make too too much of it but it but it sounds it sounds to me that what what you what you've sort of been part of and and what you, what you're witnessing happening is a kind of curiosity in the world that hasn't existed before that's probably opened up you know the internet has definitely helped in this sense because obviously access to a you know a telugu film wouldn't a bit, you know, like you said, he just put them on a pile when they finish, you know, and they've, when they've done their domestic market, it's got no use to anybody. Whereas, I mean, I can, I, you know, there are sections now for Bollywood cinema uh, and and genre, and certainly the genre stuff going into these regions on my on UK Netflix and and Amazon Prime, which are you know huge international conglomerates are now giving everybody who's got a subscription access to films that. Yes, yes. Not that long ago in history, as you're showing, would have not would have not even got to a festival of some de- of any description. Oh yeah, of course. And the, you know, the, part of it is is the the way that Indian cinema is viewed is you know the the popular view, at least among you know cineasts around the world, is that when you're going to see an Indian film, it's going to be a Satyajit Ray or Ritwik Gatak or some kind of you know poverty porn about you know these poor people who are living on the street or something similar to that. Um, and genre film for them uh, is very different. Like it's a concept that's just now in the last few years sort of gaining ground over the last maybe five or six years. The idea of genre cinema is, is, is starting to become something that filmmakers are, and producers are, are feeling is viable because of the way Indian cinema is. The films are very long in general. Um, I mean, the lengths are coming down, but still they average in the two, two hour, 20 minute range somewhere in there. And the historical way that uh, Indian films are structured is they have all the genres. So there'll be an action film and a romance and a thriller, and there'll be, you know, musical, of course, elements in the film. If it is a horror film, there will also be comedy and music and action. All those things will happen in the same film. And so what ends up happening is there isn't, and I, there wasn't, I will say there is now, there wasn't the idea that a genre film is worthy of a film festival because they're just going to put it out in theaters. And so that ended up being another roadblock that I would hit is film festivals around the world are very concerned with uh, you know, being prioritized, you know, they want to show this film first to people. And if a film has played in, you know, I live in Dallas, Texas, there are, there, there have been at least a dozen theaters here that play Indian films on a regular basis, often to a very, very small number of people, but they're here and they're opening and they're in the listings. And so that means that a lot of film festivals in Texas are going to say, no, that film is already premiered here. We don't want to see it. Even if it's premiering to an entirely different group of people. Um, so there are now films that are genre films that are starting to understand that there is a different kind of market that may be viable for a smaller budget film. Um, but it's still, it's still blossoming. And like you said, with Netflix and, uh, Amazon prime, Amazon prime typically takes a lot of mainstream stuff. A lot of the indies end up on, on Netflix. Um, and so a lot of things that I've seen at festivals over the last several years, uh, Indian film festivals have ended up on Netflix for that reason. And one of the films we're going to talk about actually is Netflix. Well, okay. We're just going to, we're going to jump, we're going to jump in a time before there was a pandemic 2019 um, with a film called Jalakatu. 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 Okay. Take you know, it your pronunciations. I don't speak any of these languages, so I could be making it, making myself a fool of myself anyway. Um, so Jellicatu is, um, it's a movie about a bull that gets loose and the town that tries to catch it. That is the logline for the film, basically. Yes, I was, I was, I, I wrote, I, I took what was on IMDb and it says a portrait of a remote village where a buffalo escapes and causes a frenzy of ecstatic violence. I mean, that is just a wonderful uh, tagline. 
It's about right. It's about right. In fact, when the, uh, this film is on Amazon Prime um, around the world, I believe at this point. Um, and when it first when it first arrived on Amazon Prime, I think they used my original program description from the film festival when we did it. But uh, you know, that happens. They steal all the time. <laughs> What's interesting about this film is it is that it is about a buffalo that gets free, and the town tries to catch it, and things go crazy. But it's it's more a portrait of uh, you know toxic masculinity it's about um uh gender politics it's about actual local politics um uh it's it's about the the beast within us all um and and the way this town sort of falls apart as they attempt to to recapture this what ends up how the story is that uh there's a local big wing in town whose daughter is getting married and he wants um he is trying to put together the menu for the wedding and part of the menu is, you know, requires this buffalo, you know. And so the local butchers go at night to go slaughter the buffalo and they miss. And so the buffalo gets loose in town. Now, this is a big, mean buffalo. And so it goes around basically destroying everything in its path. And the entire town, well, not the entire town, the men in the town all decide that they're going to be the ones to capture it. Um, which, you know, leads to a whole lot of dick swinging, um, and lots of very, very, uh, kind often hilarious, uh, shenanigans between, you know, people with puffed out chests and, and such. Now, there are a lot of really great things about this film, but my favorite part of this film is that it's the first film by this filmmaker, who's one of my favorites, his name is Lee Jojo's Pelissary. Um, to play at a major film festival. He played uh, this premiere, had its world premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival last year. Okay, positively mainstream. Yeah, absolutely. And I had been, um, because one of one of our programmers at, at Fantastic Fest also programs the Midnight Madness section at Toronto, uh, Peter Kaplowski. And he asks me every year, like, is there anything that we, that's coming out of India that you think would be great? Um, and... I had been pitching him and also my, my, my team at Fantastic Fest, Lijo's films for five years, um, several of them before this. And this is just the one that stuck. Like, this is the one where this is, this is, it's, it's, uh, you know, they, there's the, the, the log line or the, the description of, I don't know if you've uh, seen this one for, for Razorback, um, the Russell Mulcahy film, it's Jaws on Trotters. Um, basically the same thing, you know, it is uh, this, this, this giant beast basically destroying this town and how the men fall over each other and become more bestial than the creature that they're trying to, to capture. Um, and the ending is like, it's pure cinema. It is like a 2001 kind of explosion of this is, this is what cinema is for is to take these ideas that you've been, that have been um, bubbling for the last 90 minutes and then make them boil over into this like ecstatic, sort of uh representation of the ideas that you've been you know that have been simmering for so long and one of the things that lee joe is great at is he is a master of uh controlled chaos on screen so uh he has a couple of other recent films that are fairly widely available one's called angamali diaries which has been on netflix i'm not sure if it's still there and one called e ma yao uh which is another film that's on amazon prime which are both uh, very uh, stress-inducing to watch because the the action on screen seems like it's happening all the time in every corner, but everything is very precisely choreographed. And his cameramen uh, and him and his ability to to harness that and to to tell a, a coherent story is one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. I mean, just so I can get a foothold here, is that are you is that the kind of chaos that that, that sort of Gaspar Noé manages to capture? That kind of is that what you're talking about? That that idea that, that everything's out of control, but actually the film's still working. Kind of, uh, and and what what's what's really impressive about the way that Lee Joe does it is that he does it with huge masses of people. Say again, sorry. He does it with huge masses of people. Um, okay. And in what seemed like the most unfriendly conditions possible. Uh, for example, Ima Yao is about a, a family that's trying to put together like a grand funeral for for their father and everything goes wrong which you know seems like a fairly slight uh premise 
but it's also pouring down rain. Other people are dying. Families are, are like fighting. They, they owe this person money. It's just all this banana stuff happening at the same time. With Jalikatu, the camera is following this bull through the forest, through the town, up and over, you know, storefronts, through front doors. Like it's, and it's all perfect. Everything looks perfect. It's in perfect focus. Everyone is doing exactly what they're supposed to do. Um, and what's kind of uh, interesting about it is that it is a, a film in the Malayalam language, which is uh, uh, from the southern state of Kerala, which has historically been uh, in a, you know, a, a sort of oasis of communism in the larger right-wing political, you know, really atmosphere of India. Yeah, and so they've they've regularly uh, elected communist governments and co- and communist politicians. And so it is sort of like the the collective. A lot of this, a lot of the films um, have to do with how the collective reacts when something goes wrong, um, and how unstable it can be. Have to chat out my my local uh, my local uh, Indian restaurant, Kara Spice, is uh, from that neck of the woods. So I'll have to next time I'm in there, I'll have, I'll, I'll chat that out with them. Yeah, I mean, uh, another place we ended up um, sort of by happenstance on on my honeymoon was was in Kerala. And if you walk down the street, there are, you know, regular, you know, there's communist graffiti all over the place. There was a, a portrait of Che Guevara painted on the side of the wall if you were walking down the street and, and uh, you know, and hammers and sickles all over all over everything. So it's it's a it's a very interesting part. And a lot of Indian film fans from India uh, are over the last several years, beginning to to gravitate toward the cinema of Kerala as as basically like this is what Indian cinema can be. These are real movies. We don't have to be embarrassed about our movies anymore because we have these. Have you seen this? And um, Lee Jo Jo's Polisserie is a is a big part of that. So, in that sense, are you saying is he not is he not sort of doing the kind of potpourri of every genre? He's doing a piece. Of, he's doing a a single piece of work or is he still dipping in out of different? And, and yeah. I mean, I, the, I watched one this morning and I, I told you this morning that I was changing my mind. So I watched one of the films I was going to do was double barrel was his, his film from 2015, um, which is very much a masala film. It's a, you know, very candy colored. Uh, there's musical sequences, there's comedy, there's action, there's horror, there's all that stuff in there. It's the last time that he's done one of those, uh, a straight up masala film. His last three have been more straightforward narratives but uh, this one, it's it's ninety minutes or ninety five minutes. It's a, it's it's. I mean, it's practically a short in Indian terms. Um, but uh, he is he has decided, and because I've I've spoken to him about this, he's decided that he's going to make a movie every year. Which was he said he was making a movie every like five or six years before that because he was just you know wringing his hands over every decision. And now he's just saying, you know what, I can do this. And so he's just making a movie a year. And since he's been doing that, they've all been fantastic. And uh, he has another one coming up soon that um, looks like it's going to be great as well. If there was a portion of the podcast that was like a sales pitch, where it was like, "Do you, do you, what, what film do you want to see?" This is where you've just sold. This is where you've done this. You've made the sale, and I'm buying it. Yeah, I, this is like I said. I've 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 polished this pitch over many years, having pitched his films to film to uh, film festivals um, since 2015. So I, 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 I love the guy. He's, he's, he's actually, I, I met him a few years ago at one of the film markets when I was in India and he's, he's one of the sweetest men. It's kind of, uh, it's, it's very bizarre to see. And this is a lot happens with a lot of artists. He's very gentle man in person, but when you watch his films, you think he must just be constantly imbibing coffee or cocaine or something because everything is hectic all the time, but he's perfectly calm. He knows what's happening. He knows what he's doing. And everything comes out beautifully. He has his release in his art, so he doesn't have to. He, does. he, doesn't, he doesn't bottle it up. And he has a, he has a, he has a great team too. Like they have this sort of little little community of of filmmakers and technicians that he works with regularly. That all they all kind of do their own things. He produces films for them. He acts in their films. They come and act in his film or do you know second second unit stuff or whatever. And those films are all great too. Right then, finally, we're going to, we're arriving in 2020 with a Hindi film called Cargo. I figured I should probably do one in Hindi language because that's where the bulk of uh, India's output is is Hindi. This is technically speaking a Bollywood film. It's mm-hmm. a Hindi language film. Um, Cargo is a science fiction film, and it's not like a kind of science fiction film like Hollywood was. 
because uh, Hollywood is a contemporary story, theoretically. Um, Cargo is set in the future. It is the story uh, of a future in which humans and Hindu demons have worked out a way to coexist. And the uh, part of that is the, uh, the private industry takes over um, the reincarnation racket, basically. Of course and it so, would. Of course it would. Yeah. And so there's a, there's a company who has, uh, they fly ships, uh, spaceships, where um, as souls rise, as, as people die, this company takes the souls, cleanses them, and pushes them into their next life. Um, and the souls are the cargo. And so there is a gentleman whose name is Prahasta, who is played by Vikrant Masi, who is a demon who has been uh, working this racket for 75 years. This is, this is just his deal. He goes around the, the earth on the ship, collecting souls, cleansing them, pushing them all along a line to their next life. Um, but his bosses decide that he has uh, reached the end of his career. It's time for him to retire. But before they do that, he needs to train a replacement. Um, and so they send up a young demon named Yuvishka, who's played by a young woman named uh, Shwada Tripathi, who is another uh, a young, great little actress, uh, great actress from India. Um, and so she shows up. He doesn't want her there. He's perfectly fine. He could do this for the rest of his, you know, never-ending life. But his bosses have decided that he needs uh, the support. And so she, being a young woman, is live streaming the job. She's on social media. She's, you know, uh, all much to his annoyance. Um, and, you know, they eventually learn from each other. Uh, about what it means to be human, even though they're both demons, you know, and it's a story about, you know, the baggage that we choose to keep with us and the baggage that we are allow ourselves to leave behind as we move on from one part of our lives to another. It's, you know, the same kind of thing as far as the, the reincarnation story goes. Sounds like, sounds like Indian Good Place. It's, it's not far off. Visually, I'm sure it looks nothing, it's nothing like it, but the way you're describing where the narrative takes it, it doesn't sound too dissimilar to what you would pitch the Good Oh, I mean, it's, it's not... It's not a bad description. Uh, what, what's interesting about this film is that there have not been very many at all Indian films set in space. There have been uh, plenty of uh, science fiction films, most often futuristic films, but they've all been you know, based in a future on Earth. Um, and this is the, one of the first ones that's been set in space. And uh, I was... Um, I be, was made aware of this film and the filmmaker before, uh, before the production... Because now one of my goals in, in life is to eventually go into film production. I don't want to direct or write. I want to produce. I want to find people with talent and help them make their stuff. And so I'd asked about, you know, there are lots of genre films in India. Like I said, I could make a list that's a mile long. But they are or have been exclusively uh, uh, come from male creators for, for as long as the history goes back. Um, I asked about, are there any women that want to make movies? Because no woman has had made, as, as to my knowledge, had made a, a genre film in India. And uh, a friend of mine mentioned this woman, uh, Ardi Kadav, who is a science fiction nut, like just a nut. And she had made uh, time travel shorts. Uh, she started a short film um, society in, in India, which it's a, a booming business out there, or I don't know if it's a booming business, but it's a, it's a, a thriving art form is the short film. Um, and so I was like, send it to me. Let me, let me, let me see what you've got. So she sent me a treatment and I read it and I was like, this sounds amazing. I have no idea how I can help you <laughs> because I, I have no, I have no, uh, no experience. Luckily, very shortly after that, she found a producer named Shlok Sharma who helped her get the thing off the ground. And then once it was moving, she got some really big names behind her. Anurag Kashyap is one of the co-producers um, who did Gangs of Wasipur um, and Ugly. And, uh, you know, he's basically, if Indian cinema has a face outside of India now, it's because of Anurag Kashyap. And so that film is another one that I took and I pitched to everyone because when I finally saw her, she sent me the finished cut and I saw it and I was like, this is great. This is totally unlike anything I've ever seen. It's a science fiction film that's 
as philosophical as it is science fiction. The the aesthetics are fascinating. It's a it's a very sort of retro future look um, to the film, um, and it's 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 very heartfelt. It's a it's a very emotional story. Um, and then she had set her world premiere. Uh, for the film. First time it was going to be sewn on a big screen. It was going to be at South by Southwest in Austin this March. Oh. Uh, and so two days before South by Southwest, which is a three hour drive from my house, I was in touch with her and I said, I would love to come down there and introduce your film. I've been waiting to show this film to an audience and I'm glad they picked it up, but I would like to be the one to get to, to you know, send it out into the world for the first time. And, you know, two days before I was going to drive down there, everything shut down. And so um, it was actually the second screening. The first screening was at the, the Mumbai Film Festival the fall before. Um, but, uh, and then it just showed up on Netflix about a month and a half ago, about, the, about a month and a half ago. And at the time when I saw it, it was the first genre film made by a female filmmaker. In the time since then, um, Netflix has picked up two. Um, one is called Bulbul. Bul. And there's another one that just came out this week called Kali Kuli by a, a filmmaker named Terry Samundra. Um, that's a horror story. So they're starting to get their voices out there, which I think is fantastic. It's it's interesting. I, I spoke to a Spanish producer recently, for, for not for a podcast, but just talking about how, for me now, because of streamers, I can access so much more Spanish cinema than I ever could through the normal channels of hoping to catch it at a genre festival and then maybe a distributor will put out a DVD at best might be the thing and i think i think the same is happening with for all of the for all of the bad things that people get worried about and upset about that streamers are killing cinema and the like um i get the i get the feeling that there's a there's a kind of like almost like a rebirth of cinema which is access to a lot of people who are who are curious can now dip mm-hmm. their toes into into film cultures that they wouldn't have even had a chance to even know existed, let alone have a watch. Yeah. The, the, the tricky part with those is, especially with Netflix, um, is that the Netflix algorithm can make it a little bit difficult to branch out sometimes. Because, you know, for me, a person who watches a lot of Indian cinema, all, a lot of my recommendations are going to naturally be of films from India. Um, uh, and it's... I'm sure those recommendations, some of those come up for others as well, but it's, you have to dip your toe in before they'll start feeding you films a lot of time. Um, and Amazon prime, even though they have a lot of stuff, um, it's a, it's a nightmare for navigation purposes. You know, if you're trying to find something, you can't stumble on things in Amazon prime. It's almost impossible. Like you need to know where you're going. I think that that's, I mean, that's the flip side of, 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 um, the flip, the flip negative side, I suppose, of, of the streamers is that idea of you might never find it was there because you never, you never knew it existed, even though it's right under your nose. They become, yeah, giant content dumps. Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, I think, why I think maybe why I mean, it, uh, something like Shudder works so well, or Mubi, or or uh, or even Curzon, because there, there's an element of curation going on, not just push my content to the top and bugger everything else, which. <laughs> Yeah. Well, look. Let's uh, let's have a rundown then of your five choices. It's been an amazing introduction for me, for certain, and I'm sure for the listener it'll be, it'll for many of the listeners it'll be the same. Um, but Hollywood 2003, Money Two from 2011, Eager from 2013, Jellicoe Two from 2019, and Cargo from 2020. I've posted on Twitter and Facebook the uh, the beautiful artwork poster for uh, for Cargo. It looks uh, it looks a striking film. Even that as a window into the film, it's. It, it, it speaks. It is. It speaks to serious, you know, serious ideas and 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 and, and you know, and high art for want of a better expression. Not not to you know of all of all the films. Yeah, of all the films that I chose, you know, uh, the first three are kind of zany out there. You know, more balls to the wall films. Uh, Jalika two and Cargo really have something to say, and I think those are two two examples of when when genre film can meet something a bit more philosophical and start to you know start conversations and um uh, both of those films are really great that way and a great window into those cultures as well as being accessible you know no totally totally and it, it, um, and we'll put links in the show notes to uh, where people can find more of your thinking and writing maybe on 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 this cinema um 
And it just gives me to say thank you very much for giving me your time on the Britflix podcast. Sorry, I spent so much more than five minutes on everything, but thank you for having me. Josh, if it was a problem, you'd have known. It was brilliant, honestly. It was, uh, I was, uh, I, I, I'm, I, I, in all subjects, I, I don't care what it is. I can, I love talking to pe- obsessives about what they're obsessed about. I think there's a, there's always something interesting to come out of a conversation with people who really are into something. Obviously, I don't mean guns and and being racist and that kind of obsession, but when it's cultural obsession. I, I I I can know, and it doesn't matter whether I know anything about it or not. I think speaking to someone who wants to tell you about it, there's stuff to learn. But then there's like this. Basically, you've, you've put me in the end of a diving board now, and it's just my choice to jump in. And uh, I don't think it'll be long. I feel I feel like an ignoramus to be honest with you, and that's kind of a that's like that's a humble position to be because you kind of think, oh, I'm I'm up to date with film and that. But like you've just basically looked out of a window, and I've gone. Oh my god! I didn't even know that even existed. Never mind the fact that there was a choice. I, w- I will say, uh, to your point, one of the things that I hear most often about people who are who who are curious about Indian film is that it is just such a deep ocean of uh, of history of of films that it's intimidating to even take that first step. You know, uh, because honestly, if you pick the wrong thing, you might not understand anything going on. Uh, and it, it has taken me, you know, several hundred films to feel like I've got a halfway decent grasp on it, but I would in no way declare myself an expert. I'm an enthusiast and an advocate. And, um, if I do those two things and, and send it out to the world, I'm happy. It's weird to live in a Trump world and Parasite go and win the Oscars. It's like, this is just, it's just weird culture class going on there. Do you, I mean, and obviously Indian cinema is clearly getting at festivals like Cannes, you're programming the genre stuff at Fantastic Fest and the like. Do, do you, do you see a, um, like a full, full mainstream, Acceptance of 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 certain film, and obviously not all not not whole cinemas. But do you think do you see filmmaker? Because the way I mean, certainly the last two filmmakers you talked about, that feels mm-hmm. like that feels like cineast fodder. That seems like something that you that is going to those their careers are going to develop, and they're going to keep making interesting and better films that are hopefully going to capture more people's imagination because they're imaginative filmmakers. So, I, I just just listen to what you're saying. It gave me the gave me the impression that. These were. This is what was coming, as opposed to this is what we do. Which I think the first three is this is what we do. Yeah. Of your films, and the second two were like this is what we've got coming to you, kind of thing. As much as we, right. as much as it's made for Indian audiences. I mean, I feel like it's 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 a long road, and it's been a long road, but um, I think it it will eventually become it'll eventually become a, a point will come to a point where the bias against Indian cinema, Indian cinema is minimized because I think that's a lot of the, of the roadblock happening right now is when you, when you tell somebody that you are into Indian films, they immediately have an idea of what you're talking about. And sometimes they're right. And often they are just, they're, they're looking through a, a pinhole um, uh, at something that is uh, not not accurate, not an accurate ref, uh, reflection of what's actually happening in a larger context of, of Indian cinema. And like you said, those last two filmmakers, they're fantastic. Uh, you know, Jalakatu, I think, is is one of the best films of last year. Um, the previous film I, I mentioned, I'll mention again, it's not really a genre film, so it didn't fit here. But it was one. It was my favorite film of of 2018 was Imayao. It's, you know, of any part of the world. Uh, it's a really fantastic piece of work. And so I think getting those films in front of people is, is the first step, you know, a, a platform like, like TIFF is a, is a huge thing. And, you know, Jalakatu got a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, press off of that, which I thought was, was tremendous. Um, and, uh, it's actually when we showed it at fantastic fest a month later, um, I didn't realize this until I was going in to do the introduction before the film. Um, but as I was waiting outside with the microphone before, you know, we were loading the theater up, Ari Aster walked past me and walked into the cinema. And, uh, and so when Ari Aster came out, uh, I, I'd asked Evan Ersoy, who you've had on the show before, I was like, can you talk to, can you see what Ari thought of it? I know he saw the film, but I haven't seen anything. And apparently Ari would not stop talking about it for the rest of the festival. 
Um, he went, he podcasted about it. He tweeted about it. He actually ended up going the next month to, uh, to, uh, the Mumbai film festival and got like, made sure that he got a selfie with the director there. Um, and so I think it's that kind of advocacy, um, the way, the way social media works and the way this kind of culture works is we need those people whose, whose, uh, whose opinions we trust, you know, to help us see further than we would normally see. And I think, and I, to be honest with you, what you've done here is just, is, it serves the same purpose. It's, it's been able to see a selection to enable you to get in as opposed to seeing the diaspora of Indian cinema as being this thing that's, Homogenous. Clearly, you, just from the five alone, you've taught, you've concentrated on. There is no such thing as an Indian film, in a way. <laughs> there are films from India, and there are, and they and they all have, and, and then the regions of India begin to split that that infinitive and stuff. So, I think it's been really, really educative. So, I appreciate the time you've taken with us. My pleasure, absolutely. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.